Pain to Purpose is a show that will bring inspiration, love, and healing to your lives. It's a show that will teach you that your trials and tribulations in life is only temporary and that it's only preparing you for your greatest calling. A show that will give you the courage to share your story with the world and not care what others may think or say. For your story is the key that will unlock someone else's prison. What was meant to kill you, God used it to prosper, restore, and strengthen you. And to always remember that without pain, your purpose cannot be fulfilled into the power that God has ordained you to walk in. From Pain to Purpose by Asia Monique, speak your truth. Today on Pain to Purpose podcast, we have CEO, artist, and book author, Goldmouth. Welcome to the show, Goldmouth. It's a pleasure having me, and it's a pleasure for me to be here. What's up, though? Nothing much. So, what's been going on with you? Like, what's what's new with you? You know, basically, I'm just putting in a, a lot of work, you know what I'm saying? I'm the, um, I'm the CEO of... Trap Elite Music Group, which is a record label, and also I'm the CEO of America Records, the um, label that was established by Rollo Goon. So, you know, we're working with a lot of artists, you know what I'm saying? We just, you know, working, just putting putting the whole label, the whole dynasty on the map, you feel me? Gotcha. So, tell us a little bit about some of your life before rap. <laughs> That's an interesting story. It's like, where you want to go with this? From, um, from the beginning, life before rap. Yeah, you know, um, I was raised in Macon, Georgia. I'm like the the fourth of, of seven kids. My mother um, is three. So my mother had like four girls and three boys. And, um, you know, growing up, shit was pretty difficult. You know, thinking back, you know, we really didn't have much. It's the typical, typical story from, you know, Every all, most of our urban kids, you know what I'm saying, growing up in poverty, having to make something out of nothing. So that's basically the same story, you know what I'm saying? It's just a couple twists and turns to it. And, um, you know, at some point, I got really engulfed in the streets. And, you know, I got into the life of crime, trying to make ends meet and shit like that. So you know, I ended up having to pay, like, real consequences, you know what I'm saying? We lost a lot of, a lot of good people along the way. Lost a lot of friends in the game, you know what I'm saying? I did a lot of time, you know, in and out of prison, you know what I'm saying? As a consequence of, of living in a, a real rough street life. So, you know what I'm saying? She was pretty um, detrimental. But overall, throughout everything, I continued to push. I kept, you know, kept my faith in the law. And you know what I'm saying? We, um, we, we where we at right now, you know what I'm saying? So what led you to the street life? Did you grow up with both parents in the house or was, you know, the single parent home? Like, what led you to the streets? I mean, originally, um, my mother and my father, they was actually, they was married, so they was together. But when the, when, when, when the drug epidemic hit, like, in the late 80s, you know what I'm saying, my parents, they, they became, they fell victim to, you know, cocaine and crack usage. And with that, you know what I'm saying, the crack, crack is a monster, so it destroys communities. So crack, you know, just like any other family, crack basically destroyed my family. So um, that um, you know, what I'm saying like basically that that in itself made me and my siblings have to fend for for each for for for, for ourselves. 
And um, so my dad ended up going to prison. My mama was strung out on drugs and, you know, it was just pretty rough. But, you know, throughout the whole process, you know, my dad always kept in contact with me. Even when he was in prison, he'll write me letters and try to encourage me to do shit that he didn't even do on his own. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? My mama, you know what I'm saying? She was going through what she was going through, but she was still, you know, in mother mode, you know, providing, trying to do, you know, the, the things that a mother would do, although she wasn't as effective as she would have been, you know, had she not been strung out on drugs. But it's a, you know, my story, it's a, it's a bittersweet situation. Um... I'm 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 grateful to have you know went through the things that I went through because actually it made me like a, a real force to be reckoned with you know what I'm saying like and so I'm grateful for that had I not had you know such difficulties in my upbringing I don't think I would have been equipped to to really deal with this cold world the way you know I deal with it you know now mm. so it, I think I think it was a plus so you know every every curse so to speak, there's a blessing. In every negative matter, situation, there's something positive in it. And, and I feel like it's really our obligation to discover the positivity in whatever, you know, befalls us. And in my situation, that's what I did. I I, I, I discovered, you know, I went through hardship, I went through suffering, but I um I persevered and I prayed and I and, and I asked God to give me the discernment to be able to discover the positivity in whatever type of ordeal I find myself faced with. And so I, I, I rather focus on, you know, positive shit, you know, positive energy into, cause you know, it's, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like gold, you know what I'm saying? Like it, it's, it's like a diamond, you know, things have to be refined because they don't shine until they, they're actually refined. If you see a diamond right now in the, in the dirt, you know what I'm saying? It just looked like an ugly piece of fucking a solid material. Mm -hmm. But when, when this diamond is refined, then you see the beauty of it. You see the, the you see the brilliance of it. And that's and and, I, and that's my situation. I feel like um you know, I was that diamond in the dirt that that was, you know, unpolished, that was rough around the edges. And so, you know, through my my hardships, through my my pain, you know, it it refined me. And so, you know what I'm saying? Now I'm like a motherfucking flawless dummy. You feel me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So, what was rap always your dream? Or what was your dream? Um... You know, growing up, um, I, I was a big fan of Chris Croft. And I say this in a lot of my interviews. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I love, I, I used to love to watch these kids. You know, they was like around my same age you know, perform, you know, do videos, how they close backwards and, you know, just had, just demanded the crowd, you know, commandeered the crowd, you know, got people engaged into them. And that, Chris Cross was one of, like, one of my most influential figures, or, or, or should I say influences, when I was growing up. It, they they encouraged me to want to rap because I seen kids doing it. So I was like, you know, if they could do it, I could do it because you know music wasn't like it is now. They now they everybody a motherfucking rapper, everybody an Instagram model. Like like you know what I'm saying that's all you get. You know motherfuckers, you, kids go to school nowadays. You ask them what the fuck they want to be. When I was growing up, it was like yeah, I want to be you know a doctor, a lawyer. You know very seldomly would you hear somebody from urban communities state that they want to be a doctor, a lawyer. You know they either, they want to be a motherfucking rapper. You know it used to be big on you know that. You know, athletics and shit like that. But now, fuck sports. Niggas want to be a rapper. Mm -hmm. And 
that that's that that's how it, it, it wasn't like that back then. You know, people really was focusing on focused on trying to establish careers. Now youngsters looking at rap like like a career from the gate. You know, people used to tell you know my mom used to tell me. I don't give a fuck. You can rap all you want to, but nigga, you need to finish school. Mm. You need to, you know, get your career, have your job, something you can rely on, something that's dependable, something that's guaranteed. Mm -hmm. And that's what going to school and getting an education and, you know, establishing a career was about. Nowadays, nevertheless, you know, kids are going to school and saying they want to be a motherfucking rapper as if auto rapping is a career. A lot of people don't understand that it's really difficult to make it in the rap game. Mm -hmm. The rap game is, is, is a very, the, the music industry is very stubborn. So, you know, that, that Chris Cross was, 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 was my inspiration. And when I seen them doing it, I started doing it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just continued to write rhymes and, you know, build myself, you know, from, from their movement. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm a product of, of Chris Cross today, you feel me? <laughs> Have you ever thought about being a doctor or a lawyer as a child? Yeah, actually, when I was going to school, I dropped out of school in, what, the sixth grade. So, because of the conditions, you know what I'm saying? Poverty, having holes in my shoes and shit like that. I didn't want to continue to go to school without, you know, proper clothing. Mm -hmm. And I was looking at a lot of the drug dealers and shit on the corner, and they had the, the latest Jordans on. You know, they had the, the, the shit that I wanted to have on, you know, going mm -hmm. to school. Mm -hmm. And at some point, I was like, fuck it, you know, um... This school shit ain't for me at, at this time. And I always wanted to go back to school, which I did later on in my life and got a, a bachelor's degree. However, at that particular time, you know, when there wasn't any food really in the fridge and my clothing attire wasn't, you know, appropriate to be going to school, I, I got a motherfucking holes in my shoes, you know, because I, I literally had holes in the bottom of my shoe. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? My feet, my big toe would be like poking a little bit out of my shoe. And my mama see it and, you know, she'll, she'll go to Thrift or Salvation Army or something and go get us, you know, give me some shoes and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. But at some point, I got fed up with, with that and I wanted to do better for myself. Mm -hmm. And as a, as a young entrepreneur, not knowing the terminology at that time, I knew that I had to do something for myself. And not only myself, but for my sisters that was living, you know, that lived in the same household. Mm -hmm. And that's how, um, you know, I got you know, enthralled uh, or enraptured, you know, inside of the, in, in, in the, crim in the criminal lifestyle. Mm -hmm. The drug dealers was, was, you know, the only thing I saw that was popping at the time. So them the niggas that, you know, so to speak, we looked up to in the hood as our, our heroes, as, as our role models. Mm -hmm. And to go back to your question, I actually wanted to be a fucking lawyer. Mm -hmm. I, I, yeah, I actually wanted, and, and, and it's crazy because even today, I got my, um, my registrations and my certifications as a, a paralegal in business and corporation law. Mm -hmm. So I, I wanted to be a lawyer at the time, you know what I'm saying? But right now I can work for any law firm that I that I choose to work for, mm -hmm. had, you know, had I needed a fallback plan. Mm -hmm. But um that that that's exactly what I wanted to be. And why and why is that? Why did you want to be a lawyer? Because um, you know, growing up then a lawyer was the shit. Like a lawyer, a doctor, you know, that that was you know, the Huxtables was, was in, you know, everybody, you know, that, that was the sitcom of our era, like the Huxtables and, you know, everybody wanted to be like, like Mr. Huxtable, Dr. Huxtable, you know, mm -hmm. and that was so deeply ingrained, deeply embedded within our communities. You either going to be a doctor or a lawyer. And so I don't know, maybe it was something that was like, 
like I say, just embedded in, in the black community. Like, if you want a real professional career, then you should, you got to be a lawyer. And I like the, the suits that they had on. Mm -hmm. And I like the craft, you know, being able to debate, being able to actually argue your case. Mm -hmm. Because I was really good. I was eloquent. I was good with words. I was able to, you know, formulate words and, you know, different defenses and stuff. Because I used to have to do it in the house. I used to have to lock. You know, so I, it was easy for me to tell a motherfucking lie. And that's all lawyers and politicians do. They lie. Mm -hmm. Not, you know, unbeknownst to myself. But, you know, I, I used to have to, my mama said the fucking, the, the, the rent man come to the door. My mama would be like, tell him I ain't here. You know, we trying to duck the motherfucking rent man. Mm -hmm. So just from that alone, it teaches a practicing of lies in mm -hmm. the household. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we basically raised to deceive motherfuckers. Mm -hmm. Not knowing that, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So when a rent man come, I see my motherfucking mama in the room, and she telling me, tell him we ain't here. I'm like, you are here, but shit. <laughs> so, you know, it, it becomes a survival tactic. And mm -hmm. I knew that whatever needed to be said and done in the court of law, I could get that done, you know, what they call a gift of gab, you know, to try to make sure that I get my client off whatever the case could possibly be. And so that's the reason why I wanted to be a lawyer. Okay, that's awesome. So... <clears throat> What else, um, like, when you're writing, what's your creative process like when you're writing your music? Actually, um, I don't write music. I just, like, punch in. I just kind of draw inspiration. When I was growing up, you know, I used to write music. And, and I, I'm sure I can. I might go back to writing music mm -hmm. if I continue to do music. But um, I don't write music. I just go, go off however the beat make me feel. And I just, just, you know, spit whatever at that particular time. You feel me? Okay, gotcha. And what's a song that you listen to nonstop when you're in your car that, you know, you did? Oh, um, my song, Legendary. And why is that? Legendary is, is, is like the, one of the only songs on my album, which is called Evolution. Legendary is like... One of the only so-called pain, like, types, if you want to call it a pain song, song, it got soul in it. You know, we got I got Anthony Hamilton on it. So he give it that soul vibe, you know. I got a little Boosie on it. He give it that motherfucking, like, you know, the real authentic vibe. And I got Benny Siegel on it. And he give it, you know, his, 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 his reality. Mm -hmm. And so all of us together spitting our reality on one record with the soulful ballads of Anthony Hamilton. You know, it's like a very beautiful record, and that's one of the records that I listen to over and over again when I want to contemplate a ponder on, you know, what my, my next move going to be on the chessboard. You feel me? Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Well, that's awesome. And where can we find that album? The Evolution is on every platform. Mm -hmm. I mean, Apple Music, Spotify, Tidal, Pandora, wherever you want to get it from, you know what I'm saying? Um, YouTube, you can, you can make sure you can check out The Evolution you know, on those platforms. Gotcha. Um, I know you say you're a book author. Um, where can we find those books and what are those books about? Um, you can find my book Life Before Rap written by Amir Butler, aka Goldmouth, on Amazon.com. And my other book, First Verse, written by by Amir Butler again, of course. You can find that on Amazon.com, book stars, um, and a couple other books outlets as well and what's that uh you say verses first verse first verse what yeah. what's that about oh first verse is basically about the um 
the behind the scenes or untold story, the backdrop, the backstory of the Jeezy and Gucci man's beef. You know what I'm saying? Actually, it's kind of crazy because I had wrote that book way before they even did the verses. Mm. So, wow. Um, and, and yeah, we're in a, I'm in the process of doing a strip, a movie for that shit too. Mm. So, um, can you tell us the backstory behind that? I mean, it's a whole lot of shit went on that people that the public is unaware of, mm. and how they got to the point that they were at. Um, so if a person really want to know the story, they need to purchase my book gotcha. on Amazon.com. Okay. It's called First Verse. First Verse by Amir Butler, correct? Yes. Alright. Um, in what way do you aim to make a difference in the world? You know, um, really, I want to be in a situation to help other people get on, like put people in position of power. You know, once you begin to put, you know, you, you begin to put people in position to, to gunner, to generate wealth. Wealth move in so many different faucets. Meaning that, you know, these people, kids, can they, they, they can put them through school and they be the next politician. They be the next doctors and lawyers and real estate agents. And, it, and so it brings more power, especially from a, from a black perspective, mm -hmm. uh, from a race perspective. It, it, it brings more power to our, our, our communities. And so it helps build an educated force, an educated community. And so rather than tearing down or destroying communities, like most of the ignorant people in our community do, you know, due to the lack of information, due to the lack of education. I feel like generational wealth by me putting people in position and them and, and they getting educating those around them, it'll create more smarter and better people. Because if you're smarter, you make better choices. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Intelligent people make better choices. You know, people that really don't possess adequate education they make poor choice choices and decisions so through through the mechanism of education we want to encourage you know our loved ones and those in our communities to make better choices and in the in, in, in the name of better choices that automatically be an asset to the community community in a fashion of, of building you know rather than destroying and tearing down our communities like a lot of brothers and sisters out here doing nowadays. You know what I'm saying? So will you create different programs for them or how would you go about, you know, making I mean, that difference? Yeah, when programs. You say it, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. You're good. When, when you say it, in my head, I'm thinking, okay, some kind of community center into the different communities. You see what I'm saying? And you offer programs like money management or you know, building your credit and like, you know, just other things that, that help them get, you know, because it's, it's, it's a mindset. Yeah. It's a mindset. So if you put that in the community, these people, you know, let them take that program. Let them feel like they have accomplished something. See, I, I look at it like this, right? And programs are always necessary. And, um, you know, things of that nature, you know, especially when it comes to involving kids into extracurricular activities. Um, but firstly, I, I believe that education, which is could be considered, you know, a part of programs. I feel like education in the household, like educating the parents, like I, finances is so important. It, it changes your mind state. It, it, it changes your environment. Mm -hmm. It changes the type of people that you associate and affiliate yourself with on a daily basis. Because I look at myself. I came from poverty. 
and um I'm I'm rich today. Um however when I was in poverty I had a, a, a real fucked up mind state. I was around ignorant people because I was ignorant. So birds of a feather flock together and I did ignorant shit. And we all did ignorant shit. But when I, you know, elevated, when I started getting, you know, certain amounts of money, got in a different tax bracket, I began to associate myself with different calibers of people. Now I'm able to go out, you know, to dinner with, you know, the mayor of Atlanta. They invited me to a dinner. Now I'm able to, to go out with, you know, city councilmen and shit like this, sit down at round tables with these people. So what it did, the, the poverty element had me confined to to the urban communities, to the ghettos. But once I started getting a, a decent amount of money, I was able to 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 free myself from those communities and go around others that that you know had that that was already in these different tax brackets. And these tax bracket with these tax brackets come a more refined education because people pay for their kids to go to private school, mm. and and private schools are are so much more better than public schools mm -hmm. because. They get proper education, and those, and, and therefrom, consequently, better decisions are better decisions are made. So, that's how. If you look at the community centers that you that you were just speaking of, the programs and stuff, people with education came back and placed these placed these community centers in these places. You see what I'm saying? Because it ain't the people that's in these fucked up neighborhoods. It ain't the people that's in poverty. It's the people who. Who overcame poverty? Mm -hmm. Or people, you know, these type of activist people came back and gave to the community, mm -hmm. whether it's through government planning, through government funding, or whatever the case was. Mm -hmm. These are people of, of that that have rose above that particular ghetto mentality, mm -hmm. so to speak. You know, not speaking bad on it because yeah. it's still in me. I'm still a nigga. However, <laughs> you know, I understand it clearly. So I think everything has to start in, in our households. Most of all, we have to have better parenting. You know, we can't. You know, parents they they fought their kids when their kids cursed, mm -hmm. when their kids twerk, when their kids you know smoke a blunt, you know. But they have to start with themselves because parents kids do what their parents do, mm -hmm. or have seen their parents do, or they do what their parents have given them access to do, whether it's through a phone. If your if your if your daughter on the phone on YouTube with uncensored and she go to some fucking sex site or something and she sees somebody you know sucking dick on here and then she wanna emulate this, then it's your fault mm -hmm. because you should have been censoring your your daughter. You should have been censoring your son. He your son ain't got no business listening to no NBA young boy mm -hmm. talking about stepping on people and killing up every motherfucking thing. Mm -hmm. So now if you go get him a play toy gun and go to popping at a motherfucker. Uh, 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 get a real gun and shoot a motherfucker mm -hmm. later on in his life, then you can blame yourself mm -hmm. because that's a part of your parenting. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So everything starts in the household. Mm -hmm. If we start monitoring our kids more so and start giving them access to the, all these, these you know, solicited computers and internets and things and, and stop fucking in front of our kids mm -hmm. and stop, you know, letting our kids see, you know, us doing things that's inappropriate then we won't have to worry about our our daughters waking up in the mirror twerking and doing all this extra stuff. And now we want to pop and whoop her mm -hmm. or them. But no, you, you got to watch. The kids do what we do. Mm -hmm. They they are like vacuums. They they are like sponges. Mm -hmm. They absorb whatever the fuck goes on around them. Mm -hmm. So if you want to have a, if you want to raise a better kid, then what you do, you 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 make sure that you watch what, what this kid is eating. Mm -hmm. Meaning, 
the consumption of, of everything, the, his thoughts, the words that he or she hear. You mm -hmm. try to be a, a great of a parent as you possibly can. Mm -hmm. And I think, like I say, everything starts in the household, but community centers and programs certainly help when kids are, uh, you know, in, in need of those things. Mm -hmm. Okay. Also, I know you have a documentary, correct? Yeah. And where can we, um, the listeners, find that doc documentary about you your life? Oh, yeah. So you can go to YouTube, go to my YouTube page at Goldmouth Found Goon, and um, you'll see the evolution of, of, of Goldmouth Found Goon. Part one of my documentary. Okay. All right. And so that basically goes over every aspect of your life, correct? Nah, I mean, it's going to be released in series mm -hmm. because nowadays people's attention spans are so short. Mm -hmm. So I think my first documentary is like a 14 minute um, spill of my life, mm -hmm. you know, and we're going to drop like 10 different series to it. Mm -hmm. And it's going to go all the way up to, you know, the current moment. So, um, check out the documentary, check out my videos, you know, get my album Evolution. Mm -hmm. Also, get Rollo's album, Political Prisoner. Mm -hmm. Also, get my group ODT, Out the Trap album, subtitled. And, um, get my, my, my other artist, Beast Boy album, Beast Boy Nino, Trap House. We just putting in work, man. We we got a lot of motion going on, so okay, that's what it gotcha. is. Gotcha. Well, that is great to hear. Um, so you are looking for artists, correct? Yeah, yeah. yeah okay, yeah. okay. And how can they um, submit their music or um, anything to you? They they can go to my page on on IG Goldmouth underscore found Goon Mouth spelt M O U L and um you know DM me. Send send music to my partner Mick down here in Savannah. If you're in the Savannah area, then you know what I'm saying you holler at Mick, holler at yourself, Asia. You know what I'm saying you know how to get the music to me. Um, we're looking for some dope ass artists. If you ain't got what it take, don't send that shit to my email. <laughs> or don't send that shit to my um my DM because I I I don't have time for that shit. And so, um, Mickey, what's your um? What's Mickey's email address or contact info for them to? Mickey509 at yahoo.com. Mickey509 at yahoo.com. Yahoo All right. So for those of you who, who are looking to get signed, please email Mickey509 at yahoo.com. Yahoo and also goldmouth underscore famgoon. Also ODT. Um, famgoon. ODT famgoon. Yes, you're okay. Gotcha. Well, I would like to thank you all for coming on the show, and we look forward to seeing more of you and hearing more of Goldmouth, Fam Goon, Trapoli, ODT, all of that. We're, we're looking forward to that. You already know. All right, thank it's you. It's a pleasure. It was a pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to Pain to Purpose Podcast with Aisha Monique. You can find Pain to Purpose Podcast on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio app, Spotify, and any other streaming sites that you may use. You can find Pain to Purpose Podcast on Instagram at underscore pain, the number two, purpose, underscore. And you can also follow my personal page at Aisha, A-I-S-H-A underscore Monique, M-O-N-I-Q-U-E, underscore the number one.